This is your Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes of jam-packed, up-to-the-minute news from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice every weekday. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. Today's top story, Popeye's Chicken Sandwich is back. Now to our man on the scene, Brad Binkley. Well, I was live from Popeye's parking lot late last evening where I remained stuck for a good 30 minutes. After I saw pulling your pictures. In, oh, yeah. There was cars. <laughs> it was complete pandemonium. It was like spring break all went to the drive through <laughs> line. There's people standing out of their cars. It's wrapped around the building at least two times. And if you happen to pull in like I did, there's no getting out of there. <laughs> and you're not getting a sandwich either. Oh, you didn't get a sandwich? Pe- no, I, I didn't. I, I was trying to leave from the second that I pulled in there when I saw how much chaos was going on. There's people standing out of their cars like they do. Uh, you know, yeah. on the on the strip on spring break, people just get out of their cars because traffic's so bad. <laughs> they just stand there and they're just throwing their hands up in the air. What's going on? <laughs> that was happening at just about every car, people are walking inside. They're coming out. They're shaking their heads and they're consulting with the other car. <laughs> you can't go inside and get anything either. This is madness. My son thought it was like as if they made crack legal, that all the people who really wanted crack but didn't want to break the law, so they really wanted Chick-fil-A, but they didn't have the nerve to actually go to Chick-fil-A, now get to go to Popeye's. Did you feel like that was the... The demographic, or it was just about how great and what a good value the. I, I feel like that's has. exactly it. I feel like it's a proxy war, where the people who go and get chicken from Popeyes are lean progressive, lean left, whereas Chick Fil A is Trump and evil. So this is a political statement being made against Chick Fil A, against Trump, and it shows what Lenin preached in practice is to inject politics, uh, the communist Vladimir <laughs> into Lenin, fast food. into everything <laughs> in society. It's an ingredient into fast food, but if politics are injected into every corner and every aspect of society, then you have a lever in every cultural, social, whatever, that you can pull to divide and conquer. Well, if politics is injected into everything, we know, of course, that it's injected into Hollywood, but now we know that Hollywood is injected into politics, and I wonder if this whole subculture, this whole event is going to be recorded for whatever it is that Stacey Abrams is up to in her recent contract with a talent agency. Did you see that in the AJC this morning? Or recently? I did. I did see that. She supposedly signed on to the United Talent Agency one of the entertainment industry's biggest firms, and she is going to work on a project focused on voting rights. Yes, so it sounds like she'll be making a propaganda film about voter suppression just in time yes. to organize and mobilize people after Trump wins in 2020. Which is uh, what the – I think this is an old tweet, but it's in the AJC article where Senator Kamala Harris tweeted, oh, this week, so I guess it wasn't that old. If it wasn't for voter suppression tactics like this – We'd be calling Stacey Abrams governor. This is an attack on our democracy. Hillary says that quite frequently as well, and so did Beto before he dropped out of the race. He echoed that theme about Stacey Abrams as governor. Interesting. Well, I saw I, – I, really, I knew that Kamala Harris's star was sinking when I heard my husband listening to the SNL, probably the cold open, whatever – so I, when I hear him listening to it, I have to assume like Yahoo or somebody's pushing it. 
he's not digging deep like we are. So it came right out. So he's listening to it. I could hear it from the other room. And it's like whatever it is, a press conference or something. And somebody stands up and says, I am a staffer. I work on Kamala Harris's campaign. Um, I'm still an undecided voter. And I have a question. <laughs> yeah. So, so people on her own campaign are not even committed to voting for her. So I figured she's jumped the shark, Kamala Harris. I would say trying so. Trying to stay relevant. I saw her yesterday in a video when she was in Iowa. There was some parade going on. And she is doing – a dance that I can only describe as a bit bizarre and over the top, flay almost like Elaine, the Elaine dance <laughs> from, from Seinfeld, Seinfeld. Flay, flailing her legs and arms around as she like marched with these children in some sort of some sort of event that was going on in Iowa. But jumping the shark don't is have, definitely yeah don't have rhythm. <laughs> no, it, it was it was uncomfortable to watch. <laughs> well, you know it's uncomfortable. I don't know if you ever saw this. I know it's not new, but. I was reminded of it. I was looking to see how many, just to see if there's any signaling and how many Twitter followers various people had. So Trump has like 66 million. Obama has 110 million. And Hillary only has 25 million. Oh, wow. So I feel like if there's digital voting, you've got the answers right there. But her Twitter handle includes the phrase hair icon. Hair icon? Like <laughs> Hillary, Trump? I guess... No, she herself, I guess, like Jennifer Aniston, or you know what I mean? Like, people look to her for her hairstyle. Oh, oh, hair icon. Think, okay. Yes, which I think is pretty funny. Because I, I thought you meant she had, like, one of those hair emojis. Oh, like she, she isn't. Trump. Yes, that she had. The, no, she's yeah. she considers herself to be. Uh, maybe that's her attempt at humor. Yeah. Sometimes she ha somebody inserts humor into her repertoire, and it just doesn't work at all. Yeah. Anyway, but... So there was there are a few things surrounding Trump and I want to get into the whistleblower stuff, the impeachment stuff, obviously still dominating the headlines. They will be for a while. You might have been right, Binkley. They say they want to get to a vote before. Well, I mean, I haven't heard this, but originally you said they wanted to get to a vote before Thanksgiving and they did vote on actually bringing it to the floor, I guess. It was like a full on vote on whether there should be what was the do you know what? Can you give me an update? I've been out of town for a week, so give me an update. They, I gave this myself isn't a news vacation. The, this isn't the the vote that they speak of. No, no. What is it? What's the story? Can you give me an update on the impeachment? Or is the House voted last Thursday to pass rules for the impeachment probe, which means they're going to provide rules for impeaching the president. And what they're establishing is open hearings is going to be the next aspect of this. So it's not oh, like okay. – and then the Trump campaign is saying, well, this isn't – we're still going to reject it because they haven't officially voted to impeach yet. And Pelosi, who was on Colbert, spelling everything out in great detail – and she's been on a lot of shows doing this um, – said that they didn't vote on the impeachment probe. They voted on the rules of the impeachment probe, and they haven't – they're not actually in the impeachment yet, although the media would make you think that they are – in the middle of the impeachment, which they might get to. But the next thing that we're going to hear is what they've basically done is they've had 12 people that they have uh, interviewed or questioned behind closed doors. And they're essentially auditioning these people, and they're <laughs> going to select a few of these people. And now we're going to put the show live to the open hearings that are going to be televised so they can put the question and put their narrative to the public. I noticed that Schiff put out a couple of transcripts, one of Yovanovitch, the former ambassador to Ukraine, and the other of McKinley at Pompeo aid. And they had a couple of problems with that. One is they put these transcripts out. They put 
and I think the White House objected this as, to this as well, or Republicans, these they didn't put the entire like the record out there. And so if these people have one sided statements and there's no chance for public cross examination or even whatever happened behind closed doors to see a little two way. For example, this guy McKinley said that in 37 years, he's never seen a president try to help his own cause by using the foreign office like this, which I can, which I can actually refute with the research I have done or the public records that I have found on this case particularly, because Manafort was basically forced to resign as Trump's campaign advisor because of the Democrats digging dirt up on him, asking Ukraine to help with that. So in this very situation, in this very scenario, time and place, we see it happen. So I'd like to see if anyone actually brought any of that up. I would, too. I suspect that some people might have, and then it quickly got brushed under the rug. Can I read to you a quick quote from Nancy Pelosi where she kind of gives what the official directive is to Stephen Colbert about what they're pursuing in the House? She said – this kind of sums up the whole interview. She had about a 20-minute interview with Colbert, and she says, in one conversation, he, Trump – He undermined our national security by withholding military assistance to a country that had been voted on by the Congress of the United States to the benefit of the Russians. At the same time, he jeopardized the integrity of our elections, the heart of our democracy, and in doing so, in my view, he possibly violated his oath of office to to protect and preserve the Constitution of the United States. And she kept saying, this is about the Constitution, Colbert. It's about the Constitution, and he violated the Constitution. You know how you're triggering me right now? How's that? Because she was the one with Obamacare where she was saying, like, even though these people don't want to vote against their constituents, don't want them to vote for Obamacare, we are going to twist their arms until they vote. She cackled. She bet a dollar on the floor that she could get it passed. She said we will have to pass it in order that we can read it. All Obamacare was the most unconstitutional piece of legislation steered by her I've ever seen, or I should say it was steered by her and it's the most unconstitutional. They never, this is just your classic thing. I actually have an Albert J. Knott quote from the thirties saying that whoever the constitution serves at that time is the one that thumps it and they don't care about yeah, it. Exactly. It doesn't help them. And that's exactly what it is. And I thought it was interesting. She continued to emphasize this theme is there was nothing. There was no quid pro quo in what I just read. She's saying that he violated the Constitution just by withholding the military assistance that had been voted on by Congress. So the Mm. the quid pro quo has been pushed away. It seems Mm -hmm. like very interesting. Well, I continue to think that this story, this that sent that phone call it, there is so little to it just read it and if you want to bring up bring them up on charges bring them up on charges but what do you what is all the investigation for it's plain by its text yeah they're trying to sway public opinion with it and they think that they have enough now that they can put their selected the the people who were the best behind closed doors they can put them out front and they're hoping to get John Bolton as a headliner for these these open hearings well, do you think that he is the second whistleblower that Trump said disappeared into thin air? 
I think he's potentially a whistleblower, and I think he's probably going to end up testifying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's be perfect for him. He loves that stuff. I think. Oh, it's going to well, be theater. It's going to be a. It's going to be just. I wonder if he's going to get doddering idiot. If he gets doddering idiot, is he old enough to be? Oh, like Mueller. Mueller and Biden. Yeah. Does he get to be in that everybody's stupid when they get old phase? Potentially. Well, there was a tweet that. This is what annoys me. Like Fox, everybody's like, oh, Fox is so pro-Trump or the Wall Street Journal, which is its sister, I think. Still, I heard on the news this morning, they read a tweet by Trump saying the the whistleblower wants to just give written answers. And that's unacceptable that, that he has to be cross-examined. And Fox points out that Trump gave written answers in the Mueller probe. But the difference is... The whistleblower is the one making the accusations. In both cases, Trump is the is the one who's being, uh, you know, charges are being brought up again. Trump is the one who gets to defend himself. However, you know what I mean? Like you want to err on the side of the person who is who is being attacked. I think. No? Yeah. Do you want due process? I mean, do you think there's any difference between? The written answers that if the whistleblower, I, I would think the whistleblower who's making an assertion that is not in evidence and there is evidence should have to answer some questions. I completely agree that the whistleblower should have to answer some questions. And somebody leaked his name allegedly. They're, oh, they're, really? They're saying that it's anonymous, but I read a story. I, I'm pulling it up right here. Yeah, this was from Real Clear Investigations. Hold on. If you got something, you can go to it. Oh, I find them. Well, I there is one thing actually. Now that I'm thinking about uh, what what's the right way to look at something, there was a woman, a columnist by the name of Jean Carroll, who accused Trump of raping her some years ago in a dressing room. And now she's withdrawn the charge. She's not pursuing the 20 year old past the statute of limitations charge against him for that. But she did file a lawsuit against him for defamation for saying that he didn't. So she said he raped her and he said, no, I didn't. And she's saying, you're defaming me by saying that I didn't, that you didn't rape me. But I, I, I didn't look into the law of it, but I think accusing somebody of a crime is, I think you're the one, you she's the one who's defaming so him. You say you're innocent and that's defamation. Right. Right. I, that just, Seems ridiculous, but I'm a, I'm extremely jet lagged because I just got back from vacation, so I cannot be held responsible for thinking through these uh, logical inconsistencies, which is normally my strong point. Well, the name, yeah, the name of the whistleblower, I can't find. They might have removed it from this article, but he's a 33 year old registered Democrat, allegedly. Who's held over from the Obama White House and previously worked with former Vice President Joe Biden and former CIA Director John Brennan, a vocal critic of Trump who helped initiate the Russia collusion investigation of the Trump campaign during the 2016 election. Wait, say that part again? He did what? He helped initiate the Russian collusion investigation of the Trump campaign during the 2016 election. He's 33. I think that's too young to be Ronnie Abrams's husband and that's not i don't think he's a cia agent but he was the number two guy on the Mueller probe remember ronnie abrams the judge who got devin archer off 
Yeah, Devin it wasn't Archer, that guy. Biden. No. So, well, but there's no name there. So maybe maybe there was not a name. No, there was a name, definitely. There was a name. Absolutely. Oh, come on. You just, don't have it? it? It's not in this article anymore. You didn't tweet it? You got to tweet this stuff so that we have a record. Yeah. Until no, they take our tweets away. Because I have like 20,000 tweets, and when they take them away, I'm going to miss all of these articles that I like use Twitter to okay, say, hey, Okay, I have his out. name. Come on. It's, it's difficult to say. This is allegedly who it is. Who is it? Eric who, who? Ciaramella, C-I-A. His last name, the spelling of it, starts with C-I-A. <laughs> C-I-A-R-A-M-E-L-L-A. And his first name is Eric. Char- E-R-I-C? Yes, E-R-I-C. Yeah. Char- I think in, in Italian it would be Charamella. Charamella. C-I is C-H. Charamella. That's him. Well, that's what that's who go. they say is him. I don't know if that's actually him because the media right, is still right, saying right, right, that right, it right, has right. he hasn't been exposed. So I guess we'll see. Studied at Yale and Harvard, and he worked at the World Bank. Really, he worked at the World Bank. Yeah, I mean that's. I'm sure he went to Yale Law School, right? Yeah, Yale and Harvard. Harvard undergrad. How did I know that? I don't know. You seem to always be able to spot these. <laughs> these <laughs> Yale spooks. is where they churn them out. I think didn't Kavanaugh go to Yale Law School and Hunter Biden? Yale Law School is the hardest school in the world. He's one of the only schools I didn't get into when I was applying to whatever law school. Yeah. And um, Hunter Biden, I don't know. Maybe he only became a wheels off partier at the age of 44. But I have a feeling that he was not the not out qualifying. 99.9% of all law school applicants back then, but hey. Yeah, it's not just a coincidence. Cynical. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was not qualified, I will just say, as I, I should not have gotten in. Yeah. But uh, I had such a rags to riches story that a lot of places would take me, but not Yale Law School. They need you ready to go. <laughs> like they need you like, ready to insert. That's where Skull and Bones starts as the seniors at Yale. Yeah. Whatever. Anyway, so so look for that to maybe come yeah, out a little totally. bit more later in this week. So there were a couple of other things that were in the news about Trump as I tried to get back up to speed from last week. One is that Fred Luntz, you know, he's the right-leaning pollster. Most Frank pollsters Luntz. are left. Frank, is it Frank? Mm-hmm. Oh, Frank, I hate to get that wrong. Frank Luntz, yeah. He said that he's never seen this before, but... While people like what Trump is doing, they don't like what he says. So normally politicians are charming and then betray you on policy. Yeah. He's stalwart when it comes to policy, which is fucking ridiculous because of his deficits and his gun rights and mental health and cars and all that crap. But they say, oh, they love what you do, but they don't like what you say. I don't even know if I believe that because I think you were right. They like, you know what? They like how he says stuff. Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. But plus a poll doesn't really work when it's a polarizing personality. Because unless you wait, like on a scale, like on a scale of one to five, if they're not yes, no questions. So if the 30% of the people who adore him get to give him all fives, like on a scale of one to five on everything. Yeah. And the people who are in the middle, give him threes or fours. Like it, it would make the poll be different. I think people are really like how he talks. I think that's what gets him. I think you're right. about. I do that. too. Speaking of it's, polls, 
they did have a, a poll where it's forty nine percent of people are they they say forty nine percent of people want to impeach and remove, which is up from forty three percent last month. So that's what they're oh what they're going for. isn't that one of the things we're watching out that's for? One of the meters right there. Interesting. Well, I had something that I've noticed many times, and it just really drives me crazy. It says this is uh, just from a front page blurb of the journal. It says a polarized U.S. is dividing even further into hardened partisan corners over the impeachment inquiry into Trump, a new poll finds. So this idea that we're polarized and partisan, it's has nothing to do, in my opinion, with policy, because, I mean, the anti-war left is gone and the fiscal conservative right has been silenced and that and this abandoning of rights, every one of the Bill of Rights, everybody, all the politicians on both sides is for, yet we are so partisan, so polarized. And this identity thing, really, I've been thinking about it. The identity thing, real to emphasize that, really makes it worse. And I'll tell you why. Like, when we had that show, WSB show, all those people, everybody who called was black, who said the reparations thing was a bad idea. And even people who, like, hated my guts and wrote afterwards, like, you paid those people to call. Even that chick said that reparations would cause resentment and it's a setup. Yeah. And I've been thinking that, like, if you tell people – See, if you do economic Marxism, if you do like left, right, socialism, stuff like that, you have to like be able to tell by looking at somebody which side of the divide to be on in order to bring that kind of like vehement activism to your everyday life. But if you make it where like you, I can identify people by looking at them and you think when you see somebody that they are trying to hurt you that they're not on your side and that they're working against you, then instead of holding the door and being friendly and putting being an emissary to a different group, you're hostile because you don't want them to go through the door first. You don't want to give them a, an advantage in the world because you, you don't think you're on the same side as them. And I think that's I think that's how all this stuff, which I consider to be top-down racism and politics and everything's coming down from the top yeah. it i believe it does take root because it, it puts in your mind this idea that we're just not on the same that we're just not on the same team yeah i heard a cnn commentator say yesterday when talking about the impeachment inquiry she described it as she said we are literally talking about good and evil and if you can tell by looking at it you know what I mean? If you can tell by looking at a person if they're if they're evil, yeah. you it's the right thing to do to not hold the door for that person, to get in their way, to cut them off, to yeah. want them to get bad grades in school, to you know what I mean? Like yeah. and and how else can you do that? You couldn't you couldn't snap into that so quickly without actually looking at each other. However, uh, my contention is that if you did want to divide society, on interest, it would be economic or religious, which are neither things that you can tell really by looking at somebody if they don't self-identify with like diamond rings or yeah. gold cross around their neck. Like if you, because it's the values of religion and it's your self-interest as a like a property owner that puts you got put people in the same on the same teams, because the race is arbitrary. Like it, there's no like inherent. Everybody just wants to be 
richer and happier and go to heaven or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Anyway, I just think that that's how it's getting real. That's pushed down but gets real. A lot of times I don't think stuff gets real. But the, I think the it identity is. politics is an easy outward indicator of where people, if they can categorize people in that way. And it makes people act mean to each other, and it mm-hmm. makes them justify it because they think they can tell by looking at you that you're evil. Right. That that makes me Which think Which is where the, it comes from. Yeah. You know, it's where it comes from. Like tribal stuff, you don't – like the Good Samaritan and everything, they were against. So you're like, okay, we can't help them because they're against us. Yeah, and when you see that person, that's going to heighten the anxiety in both parties. It's like a police officer and uh, someone who lives in a, a low-income community. They've both been conditioned – to or at least there's been attempts to condition right if they haven't been they can just go to a starbucks conference exactly that this other one is their enemy and if you think that this person is going to kill you on either side of this then you're going to be at a heightened level of anxiety and your threat response oh that's true that's what the black versus blue thing is and it's so much better than what was before which was the us versus them thing when the militarization of the police came down and we were just like, okay, they're wearing the uniform. You're not. They have the power. You don't. Let's let's take care of this. And it's like, oh, wait, wait, wait. Ninety percent of you are safe. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Then that's how it got. Instead of us versus them, it got black versus blue. Yeah. Bad news. Bad, bad, bad. But that Starbucks thing was crazy. Like, in case you think you're going into Starbucks and just asking for coffee, let me just tell you that person on the other side of the counter hates you. <laughs> I teach my kids that. <laughs> yeah. That isn't that what the guy said? Lesson time. It's like, okay. Yeah. So, all right. So that was, I just, that kind of tweaked me that the polarization thing is at an all-time high when policy itself is converging. Yeah. And I think we should all stand behind the 10th Amendment and get a grip on our localities, but we can't because people like Stacey Abrams are working towards federalizing the vote, probably. Right. That's something to really look out for, that film that she's going to have coming out. Oh, yeah. And who knows what else she's doing. I mean, she might be getting... Acting lessons, because clearly being an acting major was not enough. She really needs to. She loves this. Get stuff. a little more range. She's an actress. Yeah, that Neil deGrasse Tyson. I always, when I found out that she was like a joint major in acting, physics, and whatever history, it's like, oh, they just didn't know where to put her. And I actually am aware of somebody else like that, where they were going to service like that, like a CIA type thing, but it was it was a think tank, and they just didn't know where to place that person. But they were all going through the same training. Yeah, it was freaky. So, oh, so when Snowden was talking about Neil deGrasse Tyson, and he was also the one who went and straightened Joe Rogan out about the moon landing, I had always thought that he was an actor, that his that maybe he was like a Stacey Abrams type who came because he that's his thing is to be like an emissary for physics, yeah, <laughs> you know, to the regular person, yeah. It's weird. Speaking of emissary, did you see that that clip from Dana White of the U.S. UFC saying how what a stand-up guy Trump has always been? And I did see that. Yeah, that was. I thought I thought you would enjoy that. He said he's a bad mf'er. He's overcome a lot of stuff. He did. He did curse, but I. Didn't, well, I know I he cursed because it was in the headline that. when Trump retweeted it. Everybody, the headlines was Trump retweets vulgar ver, vulgar slur. From UFC fighter. That was the headline based All on All I thought he said was bullshit, but I. Yeah, he he said he's a bad MFer who's overcome a lot of BS, which is probably true. It, yeah, I thought I thought that it seemed like a very genuine little speech by that guy, but maybe he's a great actor. Yeah, I thought he I think he was genuine in it as well. 
And oh, you do. Yeah, you agree I that do. yeah, he was yeah. Jillian. I thought so, but in it and it does. It just reminded me of stuff you found on Epstein, where the lawyer was like, he's the only guy who'd pick up the phone and call me. He would answer my questions. He wanted to be helpful. Oh, you're talking about uh, Jeffrey, the victim's lawyer. Yeah, Bradley Brad Edwards. Edwards. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. The, speaking of Epstein, there's another Epstein story that came out within the past week, and I think a little bit more today, that the lawyer, his lawyers, Epstein's lawyers, they hired the guy who does the medical examinations on all of the celebrities, like every major death that's been – like JFK. Yes. Michael Brown. Th- this is the guy who validated the magic bullet theory, who says only one shooter killed JFK. He came – he was hired by Epstein's lawyers, and he did an autopsy, and he said it's more in line with strangulation. And people were kind of questioning why this is in the news because I – Self-strangulation? Yeah, self-strangulation. No, uh, yeah, somebody murdered him. Oh, wait. The JFK guy is saying that Epstein was murdered? And who's – who pays the JFK guy? Epstein's lawyers, his brother and his lawyers. I thought that's what she said. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And – I think the reason for this being in the news, because anybody who – if you believe Epstein is dead, then I think most people who believe he's dead believe that he was murdered. That seems to be the consensus, and if that's what people believe, then I think by putting this back into the public mind, it's going to draw up the debate of did Clinton have him killed or did Trump have him (laughs) killed? It could very well have been a plot by by Epstein himself who said, all right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to say that it's a murder so that they blame Trump. And if Hillary does run, which I don't know that she will, it's another thing they can put back into the public debate. I personally am not convinced he's dead. I don't know that I ever will be. Fair enough. I actually did want to point out that it is November 4th, and I thought that Stacey Abrams would decide to run by November 3rd. But I think you're right. I think she's going to be the, the leader of the opposition, and she's got some heavy hitters. Backing her up on She's it. got Hollywood making a film for voter suppression to tell everybody that the 2020 election was stolen. That's probably the primary conclusion of this film yeah, she's going to be I, making. I hope it's not a tripwire. Stacey Abrams tripwire. You can find your drive time news blast every weekday afternoon at 4 p.m. on thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform with the Propaganda Report podcast feed. We will talk to you all tomorrow.